This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. This series, Joyful, is going to kind of camp out for all five weeks in the book of Philippians. Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. If you have no background knowledge, let me catch everybody up today so you can understand. A lot of the books in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. Many of them, such as the Corinthian letters in Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, those were letters that were written to churches that the Apostle Paul helped start. Much like me, where we came into Albemarle and started Vortex several years later, and then we were here. All right, The Apostle Paul traveled all throughout Europe several different times, actually starting churches in major cities. So the church in Philippi was a church that he helped start on his second missionary journey. Now, you got to fast forward 10 years after that. The Apostle Paul has been arrested and is now imprisoned in a Roman prison for sharing the good news of Jesus because everywhere he went, God would use him powerfully, start massive megachurches, massive movements of grace in the gospel. And so he is in prison. And I think it helps if we can see where this book was written. See, this is the outside of the prison where he was being held. It's a famous prison. Actually, some people believe, historians believe, that Peter was also held there. He's being held in an underground uh, uh, prison cell. These are some of the steps leading down to it. And then look at the prison cell where he's actually pinning this from. It was roughly 10 by 8, which is not a bad size, but it was only about 5 foot tall. He would never have been able to fully stand up. It was underground, so the light was very dim. He had one skylight that came down. You know what's interesting about the book of Philippians? Most scholars say the theme of Philippians is joy. In the five chapters that are in that small little book, the command to be joyful is found over 17 times, which is by volume over 100% more than it appears in any other book in the New Testament. So for the next few weeks, we're going to camp out in this book asking God, God, if from this prison cell, the Apostle Paul could say, there is no reason not to be joyful. I believe that contained within that book is the instructions for us to find out what joy really is all about. See, I think that sometimes we confuse joy, don't we? You've been there. You've probably experienced this before. You ever wanted something really bad? Maybe, maybe it was a, a gadget like an iPhone or an iPad. And it came out and you're like, I got to go get that thing. Maybe it was a new car. You found the the perfect car. Maybe it was a house. You shopped for months and months and months and months, and finally you found that house. And standing in line with your new iPad, standing in the finance office getting ready to sign on your new car, maybe even in the attorney's office getting ready to sign on the mortgage to buy your first house. You had that experience, didn't you? Just waves of joy. You ever been there? Oh, I'm holding my iPad. I'm about to be just waves of joy, waves of joy coming over until just a few hours later or maybe a month later if you bought a car and you got to make that first payment, right? Or maybe when you see how much money is actually going to go to bank to the bank on your mortgage and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa. 
The waves of joy have left. See, I think, I think that there's something happening there. And it's this, that joy and happiness are, are similar. But confusing them has devastating effects on how we live our lives. See, that feeling that we had was not waves of joy. It was feelings of intense happiness. And that is a, a real and good thing. They look a lot alike, don't they? I mean, truthfully, they're maybe like these apples. Now, on Sunday mornings, I don't eat anything. So by this point in the day, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. These look really good. It's a good apple. Anybody like apples? Fresh fruit? This is the time of year for that, right? But you know what? It's a good apple, but it looks different than this one. As a matter of fact, this one's much heavier than this one. Because this one's fake. They look a lot alike. They look an awful lot alike. But the substance is different. See, joy and happiness, they, they look a lot alike, don't they? The, from the outside, looking in, the experience of the two, they, they look a lot alike, but the substance of the two is drastically different. I'm not going to buy into this because... I really don't want that experience this morning. It's probably going to be different than this. And I think that that's the same thing that happens for us when we get confused about what happiness and joy are. And I think that it has devastating an impact, a devastating impact on the way that we live our lives. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three differences between joy and happiness and along the way, I'm just going to make some observations about the two to help kind of clarify what the difference is. Now, for the next several weeks, we're going to camp out in specific passages out of Philippians. But for this message, I'm going to kind of give an overview so that you can get to understand where the Apostle Paul is actually coming from. The first thing I want you to see about happiness is that happiness is very much cause and effect. It is very much cause and effect. I can demonstrate that to you right now. This morning, before all of you got here, we decided to do something very generous for you. And so under each chair in here, we've taped a $50 bill. If you'll reach underneath, you can pull it out right now. All right? Nobody's testing me out. Because y'all know that's probably not real. Some of y'all going, some of y'all going, they really did that. This church wastes their money. Right? Y'all sitting there trying to figure it out. What if I said today? Like, we, decide, we decided ahead of time that we were going to buy everybody that's here a new car. We'd been given a huge gift. We just wanted to bless you because we'd been blessed. We wanted to buy everybody in here a new car. Think about that. Cause and effect. You would be happy, wouldn't you? If I gave you a $50 bill right now, you would be happy. And there's nothing wrong with happiness. But happiness is cause and effect. Something happens to me, and it makes me happy. See, the thing is, is that happiness is external. Happiness is something that happens outside of us. As a matter of fact, you can fill in this blank for you tomorrow. I will have a happy Monday if... I'll have a happy Monday if that boy that I really like at school smiles at me. I'll have a happy Monday if my spouse finally tells me that I look pretty in the morning before I leave. 
I'll have a happy Monday if I log in and check my bank account tomorrow and there's a thousand more dollars in there than I thought there was. You ever had that day? That's happiness, right? Right. There's another zero. I didn't even know it. Right. That's, it's external. It's some, happiness exists on the outside of who we are. But see, the thing about joy is joy is internal. It's drastically different. There's a sharp contrast in the location of where joy happens. And we see this in a letter that the, Paul, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. We see it in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, where he says this, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Now, let's just pause. This is a classic passage of Scripture called the fruit of the Spirit. But I think if you have this in paper form and you study this, you need to underline that part. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of love in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the Holy Spirit is a gardener. And when we meet God... When we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. In several toys or stories that, that Jesus tells, he describes us, or describes to us uh, uh, our hearts as being soil. And so the Holy Spirit comes and plants seeds in the soil of our heart and begins to garden them. And the more that we give our lives to God, the more that we surrender our lives. And let's just be open and honest about that. For many of us, that's not just a moment. That's a a lifelong process of surrendering to God. The more that we surrender to God, the more that the Holy Spirit grows that fruit inside of us. So at the very beginning of Philippians, the Apostle Paul would write this. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. I want you to see something about this. This is so important, that happiness is what happens to you. But joy is what's produced in you. Happiness is what happens to you. But joy is what is produced in you. And when we set our target in life on being happy, being happy in our relationships, being happy professionally. When we set the target of our life on being happy, we miss it because happiness is so external. But joy is something that's happening on the inside of us. This is why in Philippians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul would say this, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always. Do you realize that every one of us in here is one call one phone call away from our lives just transitioning like that. What has been so secure and happy and good can change in the blink of an eye. We're one call away from that. Maybe it's a call that tells you that the doctor ran some tests and the blood that he took from you has some signs of something that doesn't look good. Maybe it's a call that tells you that a child of yours has been in an accident. Maybe it's a call that says it's mom or dad and they're not doing very well. 
we're all one call away. But in that moment, the Apostle Paul says something that's so important, that we can always be filled with joy. Because while happiness is happening on the outside, joy is something that is happening on the inside. You see, the problem with happiness is that happiness is a moving target. Happiness is a moving target. Let me help you understand how that works. Let me, ju- let me just ask you this question. I want you to think about it. Okay, I'm going to ask you. I want you to think about it. How much money do you need to make a year to be happy? How much money do you need to make? What is the salary that you feel like you need to be happy? You know what everybody's answer in this room is? More than you currently make. More than you currently make. See, the problem with happy is happy is never satisfied. It's always moving. It's always out in front of us. It's always elusive. As a matter of fact, look what Proverbs 27.20 says. It says that just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. I mean, our desires only know one word, and that's the word more. More. I just want more money. I just want more attention. I just want more affection. I just want more honor. I just want more glory. I just want more. And it will never be satisfied. You see, some of you think, if I could just get fill in the blank, I would be happy. If I could just get my wife to cook dinner and have it ready when I get home, I would be happy. If I could just get my husband to put the toilet seat down, I would be happy, right? If we could just, and the problem with that is that when you get that, it will not be enough. As a matter of fact, I found this to be true, that today's contentment is the source of tomorrow's complaining. Today's contentment is the source of of tomorrow's complaining. Now, I love Christmas. It's by far my favorite holiday, by far my favorite time of the year. I'm blessed to have uh, two sides of, uh, of my family between my, my family and my wife's family that are very gracious and they have strong family traditions. My mother-in-law uh, surprised me one Christmas. Now, my mother-in-law always takes care of me at Christmas. She buys me some nice clothes that I couldn't normally afford, especially during this season, this Christmas season. I was dirt poor. We had just given up being in North Carolina. We had moved to South Carolina. Uh, I took in a job as a youth pastor. I wasn't making any money, but I was serving God, giving him all of my life. And, and she knew she knew. So that, that Christmas, she kind of went out of her way to bless me. And there were several nice pairs of jeans and several nice jackets, things that I couldn't afford. And I was going through the boxes. And at the end of there, there was one more box. Now, just so you know that this is the time period when iPods had first came out. And as a matter of fact, you two had joined forces with Apple, right? Two of my favorite things in the whole wide world, you two and Apple. And they had launched the video iPod. Right? You could watch videos on a screen that was smaller than my palm. It was awesome, right? And I wanted one so bad, but those things cost like $17 trillion. And I couldn't afford one because all I made was like $10 a week, right? It was way out of my league. And so I'm going through the packages, and there 
the very, the very last one, I still remember that, get choked up, um, was a package that was uh, wrapped to look like another pair of jeans. And I opened it up, and it was that video iPod. And I promise you, I was so moved because it was something I couldn't afford for myself. There was no, I didn't even have the, the kind of guts to ask for it. <laughs> that's, how, that's how far out of reach it was. And, and there it was. And I, I was so moved, I cried. I really did. Because it was so gracious and generous. But you know what? Apple has a brilliant strategy. And before long, there was an iPad that you could touch. It had a touch screen on it. You could download apps on that thing. And then you know what? They came out with, it was not just an iPod. It was an iPod you could make calls on. It was an iPhone. And now I could pick up, I could listen to music and call people. Then they put a, a camera on that thing. Now it's not just an iPod, it's an iPhone with a, a camera. And before long, I'd be in the gym with my little iPod and I'd look over. God, I wish I had that thing. <laughs> Man, you see him touching that screen. I gotta use this stupid wheel to get around. Y'all remember those things, right? Oh, man. Today's contentment becomes tomorrow's complaining. See, the thing about happiness, happiness is ever-changing, but joy, joy is ever-growing. Happiness is always that moving, moving target that's changing, but joy, when it's given birth inside of it, it's ever-growing. And that kind of leads me to that second point. And I want to make this really, really secure for you. All right. I want you to get this, that happiness is insecure, but joy is confident. Happiness is insecure, but joy is confident. Let me just press pause. This was not in my original notes, but I do want to share this. That this is why for many of us, when we struggle with fear and worry and insecurity, this is why. This, this right here is why we struggle with it. Because we have set the targets of our life on things that are insecure, outside, unstable, and ever-changing. And you cannot live in security when the target and foundation of your life is something that is unstable. Happiness is insecure. You will never be able to secure it. It is from without you. All right? It is outside of your control. But joy is something that is born and grows inside of us. As a matter of fact, joy is confident. It is stable. It is the reason that in the middle of that phone call that we all don't want to get, we can have joy. Let me just make one more observation with this. This truth right here is a reason that I think oftentimes we give some of the worst advice known to human history. When we tell, especially, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to pull your parenting license if you ever tell your kids this. If it makes you happy, do it. Because we need to stop asking the question, what will make me happy? And we need to start asking the question, what will honor God? 
Because if, if it'll honor God, it'll grow joy in you. If it'll honor God, it'll facilitate a closeness with him that will allow the Holy Spirit to garden your heart and grow a joy that will outlast your circumstances. That happiness that your kid is willing to sacrifice something that is good for will only last a moment. As a matter of fact, we see this truth echoed in Philippians in the fourth chapter where the Apostle Paul says this, don't worry about anything. How many of y'all got that down today? Don't worry about anything. Anybody there? Nobody, right? Because we worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Look at what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you're going to face those uncertain times. You're going to face them. Don't worry. Don't trust what's around you. Trust what God's doing in you. Pray and give it to God. And then something's going to happen when you pray and give it to God. That the things that are growing inside your heart, he lists out peace here. Peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. When you turn and give it to God, say, God, I can't control it. It grows. Joy grows. Peace grows. See, there's a problem with happiness. There's a problem with happiness. See, if the facts are favorable, happiness tends to increase. You've been there. You've been to the doctor. You've been working on your blood pressure, your cholesterol. You go in, they run the scans, run the the test, and they come back and say, everything looks great. Good job. When the facts are favorable, happiness increase. If you have investments and you've logged in to check on your investments and you see, whoa, they've grown. The facts are favorable. Happiness increases. If you've ever got that report from your kids' teachers, they're doing great. They're the kind of kids I wish I, wish I had everyone in my class was just like this kid. When the facts are favorable, happiness increases. But what happens when you get that call? Where the doctor says, hey, we ran your blood in that routine test, but we found out that there are some protein markers that look like it's pre-cancer. When the facts are not favorable, what happens to happiness? See, the problem with that is that the facts don't always convey the truth. The facts do not always convey the truth. And the problem with many of us is that we think we know all the facts, but we don't. We only know a limited version of the facts. And we look at a situation and we think, well, I know this, I know this, and I figured it out. You ever been a week or a month or a year removed from a situation like that? Look back and realize you didn't really know. Because you didn't know all the facts. See, I've been there before. Every Christmas... My mom and my mother-in-law have a great tradition. They take me shopping. Now, I could, I have done this before, just make a, an Amazon list and send it to them, and they go shopping, knock it out. But my, my joy is getting to spend time with them. So we take a, a day, and we go shopping and have lunch together, and, and it's, it's a great day. And in one day, I spend more time with them than I spend probably in the rest of the year. And so we were in Urban Outfitters with my mom. And Urban Outfitters is a store that I used to love. I used to love it. And we were in there looking for uh, shirts and, and jackets, and I found a shirt. This was well before I started wearing the same shirt every day, just so you know. Um, just to kind of clear this up, 
I have more than one of them. I have a whole closet filled with them. I just bought into this thing called a simplified closet. Steve Jobs wore the same thing. Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing. Obama wears the same thing. Uh, tons of people have, have bought into this. It's just a simplified way of thinking about dressing. But um, well before that, when I was trying to be cool, um, we went shopping at Urban Outfitters. And I was in there. We found a shirt. And I was like, oh, mom, this shirt is so sexy. But it's expensive. And she's like, oh, I'll get it. You know why? Because I'm worth it. That's why. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And I was like, this is awesome. This is a great shirt. This looks so good. And she was like, they have other ones that are different styles and different fabrics. Pick some out. So I did. I got like five of them. And mom's like, you want to try it on? No, I know what size I wear. Okay, awesome. So she paid for them. She wrapped them up. It's Christmas a few weeks later. I'm unwrapping them. I get out. Hey, y'all, look at this shirt. It's so awesome. Isn't it? It looks great. And pull out the next one. And mom's like, well, why don't you try it on? I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try it on. And I found out another fact. It was an athletic fit shirt. (laughs) Which, let me translate that into my language. It's a demon-possessed shirt. That's (laughs) what it was. It was was not fair. Athletic fit means it doesn't fit. That's what it means. Right? It means that when I put it on, I feel like, a, like I'm wearing my kids' clothes, like I'm trying to try on my wife's clothes. This is un- I'd have to fast for a year to fit into those shirts now. Right? The facts were it was the right size, but the truth was different. See, the story of redemption begins with a story where the facts are different than the truth. It's about a man named Abraham who was really old. And he had tried for years to have a child, and he was unable to do so. And God takes Abraham and walks him out onto the beach and says, Look up. Do you see all the stars? One day, you're going to have a family that outnumbers the stars. Look down under your feet, Abraham. One day, you're going to have a family where there are going to be nations that come more than the sands on the shoreline. And look at what the Bible says in Romans 4, reflecting on that. It says, even though he knew, even though Abraham knew that he was too old, there's the fact he was too old to be a father. At the age of 100, and that his wife Sarah, another fact, had never been able to have children. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything that he promised. So number three in your notes today is that this, that happiness is defined by the facts, but joy is defined by the truth. And some of you have been leaning into the facts, what you see about your life when you have been running away from the truth of what God has said about your life. We've been living for the facts instead of living for the truth. And I want you to understand and kind of wrap our minds around the the truth today that sometimes even though we understand a portion of the facts, we may not get the truth. So as we end today, I want to point you to three things that will help you maybe understand how vast this reality is for you and for me. Maybe you're in here today and your life is crazy right now. It's in chaos. Maybe you have a hardship that you're going through. Maybe you have something going on in your family. Maybe there's some drama going on at work. 
and your life is in total chaos. Look at what the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. For we know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. The facts are your life is crazy right now. The facts are things don't look good. The facts are you don't understand what's going on and it feels out of control and like chaos. But the truth is that God is going to use what's happening in your life right now to change you and to change your heart and to change your life. That's what the fact, that's the truth. All right. Today, there are some of you that are here and some of you that are listening online today that are facing some of the greatest trials you're ever going to face. You've been diagnosed with cancer. You're facing a massive issue at home with a kid or with a spouse. Your business is not doing well. You're struggling financially. You're facing this massive trial. And in James 1, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says this. This is the truth. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. In other translations, it would say, count it all joy when you face a trial. Because the testing of your faith is going to produce something in you. There is something as a Christ follower growing on the inside of you that far outweighs this momentary trouble. The facts are that you have cancer. The facts are that your business is not doing well. But the truth is is that even in the midst of all of that, you can have joy and you can know that God is doing something in you that he could never do outside of that moment. And lastly, do you have a need in your life that's not being met? For some of us, that's financially. We're struggling financially. We're trying to make the ends meet, but they're not. For some of us, it's relationally. We're, we're lonely. We need, we need God to meet us provide relationships for some of us, right? It's, it's even broader than that. We have kids that we are seeing making bad decisions, and we, we just want to see them return to God. I want you to see something that, that the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4. From that jail cell, that small prison cell, he says this, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The facts are that you need something. But the truth is, is that God has promised to meet that need. But at the end of that verse, there's something that I want to point out. God says that he will meet our needs in Christ Jesus. You see, this promise of joy, it's not for everybody that's in this room. Now, while you may experience happiness and God through his grace may allow you to live in joy for a season, the joy that surpasses moments that permeates its way into trials, that kind of joy, that joy is only available to those who are in 
Christ Jesus. It's a joy that comes as the Holy Spirit plows and farms the inner workings of our hearts. It is not a promise. See, many of us will live with despair through those moments because the Holy Spirit of God is not living on the inside of us. But the good thing is that if you're here and you know, I need that, I need that joy, all you need to do is make a decision. Say, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to ask you to come and change me. I'm going to give you control. Take it. So let's pray right now. God, we just stand in front of you today with the reality that for many of us in the room today, we've tried to live good lives. We've tried to do it right. We've given the effort, but in truth, we've fallen so short because we'll never be able to earn this. We'll never be able to make it happen. Only you can. And so God, today, as we surrender control of our lives, we ask you to come and Plant the seeds of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Plant those seeds in our lives so that in our hearts, the fruit of a relationship with you would begin to grow. And so in the midst of difficult seasons, when we face trials and difficulties, we can still live with joy because that kind of joy only comes from a relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you that question today. Are you that person? And you know right now you need to make that decision to give up control. You've tried to live life well. You've tried to be a good moral person. But you have failed. And you know that you need to let Jesus take complete control of your life. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I need to let go. Who else? Who else is here? Awesome. Awesome. Now, I'm going to ask a question. I want everyone to be honest. And if you're this person, I want you to raise your hand just as a statement of saying, God, I'm repenting for this. There are many of us here today who have lived for happiness instead of for joy. The dominant question that we've asked throughout our lives is what will make me happy, not what will honor God. And many of us, I hope today, see how broken and futile trying to be happy is. So if you're here and you just want to say to God, God, I'm committed to getting closer to you so that there can be joy that is born inside of me that won't be overcome by circumstances. Raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. Awesome. So God, we just stand before you today. A repentant people just confessing that we failed and we need you. So God, come and take our sin, take our lives and use us. God, use us. Let us experience the joy that goes well beyond anything we could earn. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.